everyone. Thank you for joining me for what was a really fun discussion about digital cytology and the VetScan Imagist, sponsored by Zoetis and featuring Dr. Sarah Barrett. Fun fact I learned from Dr. Barrett, which really helped drive home the point that pathologists supporting the VetScan Imagist can help with all types of cases, saltwater crocodiles have nucleated red blood cells. I mean, I guess I always assumed that they did, but it was kind of fun to be able to ask the question. Stay tuned for more fun facts like this and tips on how digital cytology integrates into a busy practice schedule, as well as how to identify true spherocytes on your suspected IMHA patient. Dr. Barrett is a native of Southwest Virginia and completed her bachelor's in biology from Virginia Tech in 1999 and her DVM at Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine in 2005. She practiced emergency medicine and critical care, followed by small animal day practice in Houston and Central Texas before returning to Virginia Tech for a clinical pathology residency. She was board certified in 2014 and completed a PhD in autoimmune glomerulonephritis in 2015. She spent the next five years as a clinical assistant professor with a joint appointment at Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine and Virginia Tech Carilion School of Medicine before joining Zoetis in 2021 as director of digital cytopathology. When not in the office, she spends time with her family, wrangling many animals and working on her lavender farm, which sounds just lovely and relaxing and explains why she was so lovely to talk to. Let's go ahead and get into our episode. Well, for this episode, I am joined by Dr. Sarah Barrett, and we got to meet a little bit before we turned the microphones on. And Dr. Barrett, you are just a delight to talk to. So I'm so excited to bring your voice and your information to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yes, absolutely. And we're talking about the vet scan imagist, which I will be honest, when I first got this topic, I was like, didn't we do that? Like, it's a fecal analyzer. I kind of, I feel like we might know this. And it turns out that's how I became familiar with it, but it's really come a long way in a short time. So tell us more about the vet scan imagist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the fecal AI application was always the first step. And so we're doing a lot of fun things. So it is a multi-use platform, so it can do the AI fecal, but it's it's really a scanner that has a bunch of different background applications that can be used. So anything that can go on that scanner can get sent to the cloud and be evaluated by either an AI algorithm or by a pathologist, or if it's for that fecal, it can go to a parasitologist. So we have a number of different, different directions that that scan can go. So we've got the AI fecal. Um, the next thing to launch was my service, which is a digital cytology service. And so this is where if you have, you know, a lump or a bump on that dog who comes in, you can aspirate it, you can put it on a slide, stain it, and then scan it up to our, our platform. And then we've got just fantastic pathologists. I'm a little bit biased. They're great. Um, who can then read that scan with a two hour turnaround time and give you an answer. So we also have the AI blood smear application. This was the, the third application to launch. So this is where, so ideally now, Dr. Fleming, how often do you look at a slide of a blood smear when you do a CBC? And I did used to practice, so it's okay. 
100% well, you, of the time. What you are you are, talking about? <laughs> you are doing better than I did when oh, I was no, in practice. I'm lying through my teeth. I do not check one every time as much as I would love to think I do. Well, you know, so when I was in practice, you just, you, you don't have, there isn't time. I mean, you know, as much as we all know, we're supposed to do that. There isn't the time. And, you know, when I was in practice, I also didn't know what I was looking at. That's a little secret. I was not good at ClinPath until I did a residency in it. So, and, you Guilty. know, I'm still, you yes. know, I still, I'm always learning, but uh, main point being, you often don't know what you're looking at. And I remember kind of just being really, uh, whenever my veterinary nurse would come and say, doctor, well, yeah, Dr. Barrett, could you come take a look at this slide? I'd be like, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to see. I know. <laughs> like it's okay. So I, I will, you know, share a secret here as well that like, especially the fecals, cause I just don't look at them very often. And so they, like, can you take a look at what's on this fecal? And I'm like, I don't, I can't, exactly. like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. And so like when you get into red cell changes, it can get like, for me, that would always be kind of angsty because I did not know what I was looking at. But for the, so for the, the AI blood smear, this is really, it's a great screening tool. So you do your CBC and then you, you make your blood smear and you, you put it on the scanner and then there's an AI algorithm that will go through and do a leukocyte differential, look for platelet clumps, things like that. So, and these aren't morphologic changes. It's, it's a confirmation of your CBC. But what's really interesting about it is that if there's a mismatch and the AI gives you a different number than the CBC, that's often a clue that there is a pathologic process going on. And so you could then hit a button to submit that for an add-on expert review. And that comes to our team of pathologists. So that's the AI blood smear. So the pathologist then can do a morphologic review once they get it on the back end. So, you know, as a screening tool, then we find that, you know, you're, you're now screening the patients that you think are normal, and then you can actually catch things that are abnormal before you even know that there's a problem. You are speaking my language there because when you were like, well, if there's a mismatch, then that's a clue there's pathologic changes. I was like, yeah, but then what do I do? Like, I don't know if I can find those pathologic changes. And you said, no, you can send them to a pathologist. And exactly. That's You perfect. hit a button. Yeah. Yeah. I wish it had been available when I was in practice for real. Um so let's see, you know, some some limitations of it. It is digital, so we can't focus up and down the way you can on a microscope. Um, so not all sample types. So I said anything you can put on a slide. So not quite anything, really close to anything. But like skin scrapes don't do well on it because those are really thick preparations. The scanner doesn't, you can't get all of the layers. So that's something where it's, it's just a little bit too thick for us to be able to give you any good information. But anything else, so fluids, um, including including CSF, if your hospital can handle the preparation, anything you can prepare other than a skin scrape is going to, is going to work on the scanner. They do need to be stained. That's one little thing people don't think about. It's a different workflow from if you're sending a slide into a reference lab. So whatever you have in house, like a diff quick or a dip stain, any of those quick Romanowski stains are appropriate for cytologic evaluation. And I would imagine just in general, despite the fact that you would have to take the time to stain these slides, ultimately, you're probably ending up saving time in that workflow because then, you, you know, we can kind of pass the slides off to you guys and have ourselves, our technical staff, you know, everybody working on other things. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the whole... What I love about this is it recapitulates the experience of being in a teaching hospital where you have a clinical pathologist down the hall. So it's, you know, it, it, the idea is to give you that same kind of 
ability to connect with the pathologist, but also the turnaround time. So, you know, we say less than two hours, but on average, um, our turnaround is about 30 minutes for the U.S. So, you know, and not always, but it's within two hours. So, yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. So the idea is you can do your aspirate in the, in the room, hand off the slide to your nurse who can then stain it, put it on the scanner, and then go walk back into the next room and start, start doing the, the TPR for that patient. So exactly. It, it kind of takes that burden off of a nurse who's going to sit there trying to stare at a blood smear, for example, or reading a fecal, or you having to try to look at a cytology where maybe it's something simple, or maybe, maybe it's not. Cytology is it's hard. It's hard yeah. for pathologists. My my <laughs> cytology interpretations, round cells. That's <laughs> from there we might need an expert to weigh in. <laughs> well, you know, uh, totally. That's that's how mine were when I was back in practice too. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> Well, we've heard of you know, other digital cytology platforms. I think this is kind of an up-and-coming technology, which I really think will change the game in private practice and let us offer a lot of options to our clients. How is the VetScan images different than other digital cytology platforms? It's a great question because, like you say, there's starting to be a lot of options, which I think is Fantastic. It's so good for veterinary patients and for their for their owners and for veterinarians too. You know, so a couple of things there, gosh, you know, clinical pathology is a small world and we all know each other and I have so much respect for so many of the pathologists at other at our competitors on their teams. So what I think is is unique about the Imagist is, first of all, it is multi-use. So there, you know, the applications I've talked about so far. Well, you know, we're always we're always striving to to you know see what else we can do, and so there are other things in the works. But so just having this one little scanner with a really small footprint, it's eight inches by eight inches by eight inches and eight pounds. So it takes up a very small amount of space in your lab. And gosh, <laughs> in vet practices, lab space is really you know it's it, there's usually not a lot to work with. So right. um, it doesn't take up a lot of space. And it can do all of these different things, which is really cool to begin with. Um, some other things that we do. So we have client rounds. We purposefully hire pathologists who like to talk to clients. And many of us have been in practice. So we really, we understand what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're we're pretty nice just you know overall <laughs> but um you know we're pathologists who like to talk to people so along those lines we we love to have these client rounds where you can join us once a month and we'll we're just trying to do it like the way it used to be in teaching hospitals so that you can um, we'll drive some slides you can kind of see some of the the typical sample errors that we see and how you can fix them, but also just cool cases. And um, it's interactive. It's meant for for veterinarians to be able to ask us questions and talk to us, and it's it's a lot of fun. So we do that. That's something that is unique. And and we we have our scanner has really great resolution. So it's about fifty x. A lot of the other scanners scan it at forty x, and ours just because of the the way the slide is prepared and the optics of the scanner lens, while the lens is 40X, it ends up with a resolution of about 50X. And so clinical pathologists spend most of their time at 50X and we can see a lot of hemoparasites that way. We can't see them all. 100X is, you know, if you if you really want to see mycoplasma, 100X is better, but we've been, you know, we have no trouble seeing bacteria 
or things like that. So it's a, it's a really nice scanner. We have a 24 seven service. So a lot of our competition does as well, but we do that's nights, holidays, weekends. We are always there. We always get people asking like, really? Like, like holidays Yeah, that too? was absolutely like, no. my reaction. I'm like, really? You guys are 20, 24 seven. You know, all this craziness happens on Christmas and there's somebody there that can help me read the slide and work through that. We're always there. Exactly. So yeah, those are those are just a couple of the things. Um, our team is um, 100% board certified clinical pathologist. Some of us are double boarded in other things. There's we have someone who's an anatomic as well, and another person who's also a criticalist. So, oh, very cool. And we touched on this a little bit a minute ago, but you know, big concern, of course, in many clinics is the busy workflow. So we kind of talked about how that might free up staff and free ourselves up to go and do some of the other things we have to get done in our day. Can you elaborate on that a little bit about how digital cytology fits into the workflow in a busy clinic? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's say you are doing a surgery and you find um, your surgery for something else completely. Maybe you're spaying an, an older dog and you notice that there's a nodule on the liver and you're like, ooh, <laughs> what is that? Well, so you can, you can aspirate that. Um, hand it off and you can have an answer back before you're finished closing up the dog, maybe before you've been started closing up the dog. And if you find that it's something that needs to, maybe we'll tell you, you know what, that needs a biopsy. You could actually get a piece of that right then and there instead of having to go back and do a true cut later, for example. So, you know, that's like the surgical example. Maybe you just, you have a case where you've got a lump or a bump on a dog and it's kind of a hairless raised mass on the skin. And so you're like, Ah, you know, okay, well, I can just, I can just cut it off. I can send it off, but maybe the owner doesn't want to do that because it's on the elbow and they're going off for vacation the next week. And they don't want to deal with the dog looking at the, the, um, the surgical <laughs> wound and, oh, it's going to be a hassle. So you're like, well, you know, how are you going to manage that patient right then before the patient leaves? So you can, you can do your aspirate and before, Ideally, before the patient has left, maybe you've got other things to work up with this patient. Maybe you're doing a CBC chem and then AI blood smear, maybe. <laughs> but so, you know, while you've got your chemistry cooking, you can um, you can go ahead and scan that mass, the FNA of that, and then have back the answer that it's a histocytoma. And then you can say, you know what? We don't have to do anything. Good news. Or maybe it's a mast cell tumor. And then you can go ahead and schedule a complete surgical excision it's it's really meant to speed up the results of digital cytology. You're not having to do much more than you would with a cytology anyway, besides staining it and then scanning it. But you're getting your results back faster. Absolutely. And and I think I had an example of this come up in, in when I was in the clinic yesterday where I had a dog, she, we were doing an annual exam, but we had to talk about Cushing's disease. And there was there was a lot of discussion around that. So towards the end of the exam, we found these two new lumps and they, you know, nothing crazy, but we're like, oh, we've not found these before. So we should really check them. But of course, this is to the end of the appointment. I've, you know, now it's, you know, typical busy clinic. We've worked in several at this point and I've got a bunch I've got to catch up to. So ultimately we decided, hey, let's, you know, you're coming back soon for X, Y, and Z. We'll check them, you know, when you come back since that's not going to be very long from now. And I feel like, Having that 
opportunity to scan these slides, it would have made that conversation a lot easier to say, let me just take the samples real quick. And then I didn't have to also add in like, okay, well, if I take the samples now, then I still have to find time to read them. And I've got all these appointments backed up that I've still got to go see. And to know that I'd still get those results back without taking a huge chunk of time out of my day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, if you, if you're able to have that conversation at the beginning of the appointment, then it's, it's even more feasible. You're not going to have to have that follow-up call later because then hopefully you can get, get that patient an answer before they leave. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So you, that, that should save you time in the I long run, so. hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Cause then we would have our answer and be wrapped up and be making, you know, in the, in the plan making stages and not in the, okay, you know, you're going to come back soon and we're going to do, and we're just getting started at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you've mentioned your excellent team of pathologists. And if they're anything like you, I have lots of faith in both their clinical abilities and pleasant demeanor talking to people. But you've also mentioned the AI algorithm. So how are these samples in general being read? Is it primarily AI, primarily pathologist? Does it depend on the sample? I love this question because recently I did um, get some feedback from a client who thought that we were robots. So (laughs) I'm here to tell you we are actual humans. We are real. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so it's Exactly. This can be confusing because it's this one scanner and which way is it going? So for fecal, that is AI. That is an algorithm. For AI blood smear, that is also AI. So we always make sure that there's an AI in front of it if it is a non-human, <laughs> a so robot. So we know. It's not is really it the robot, robot or yeah. is it the human? The robot or the human. Um, now, any anything that you submit as a cytology comes to a boarded clinical pathologist on my team. Anything that you submit from that AI blood smear for an add-on expert review goes to that same team of board of clinical pathologists. For our AI fecal, if you have a question about that, that goes to a board certified parasitologist. So we we always have expert level backup for any of our AI indications. So we can go back if if we do have say like an AI blood smear, I think you mentioned this earlier and we have questions about what we get back on that AI, then it's submit it for expert review and then it'll go to a human. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and when you do that, particularly with with the blood smear, it's really helpful if you can send us, send us anything you have. If you have a CBC, if you have chemistry, we want to see the whole thing. If you have a UA, that's awesome. Sometimes people send us pictures of things and x-rays, which is great. None of us remember how to read them, but we would love to, you know, (laughs) the more, the better. So yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Can you give us some examples of cases that you feel like have benefited from digital cytology? Oh, sure. You know, you've got that horse who's colicky and you want to know if if there's if this is anything more serious, if this is a septic abdomen or same if you have a patient where you're concerned about biliary rupture, if you need to know if it's septic. So, you know, abdominal effusions are a great example. So any emergent case is going to benefit from from this type of application if it's something that you need a slide to diagnose. So for that septic effusion, you can just do your your belly tap. You can um, submit to us 
direct. So that's just where you make it like a blood smear. You just put a drop of the fluid on a slide, spread it out like a blood smear, stain it, send to us. And then you can also spin it down and make a sediment prep. So it's the same thing. You put it on the slide like a blood smear, spread it out, send it to us after you stain it. And with those, if there's bacteria we can we can see it if it's an abdomen that isn't it's just a little bit septic i don't know if that's a thing <laughs> um but then we'll see degenerate neutrophils and we'll tell you, you need to culture it but we find we find all kinds of things in abdominal fluid so that's an example for sure say you have a patient with a regenerative anemia so this is something that that we see pretty commonly where in practice you'll get your blood work back where it's you know this macrocytic hypochromic with a high reticulocyte count you'll maybe look at the slide and you'll see these kind of small dense red cells and you'll be like oh those are spherocytes and I, it's IMHA well a number of those may not be IMHA so there's another cell type that this is my my favorite example of something that I didn't know when I was in practice because <laughs> I I must have been asleep that day in ClinPath <laughs> when I was a vet student. But there's another poikilocyte called a pycnocyte, which is formed through oxidative damage. And so you'll also see a centrocytes, which again, I couldn't recognize until I went through my residency. But they look, the pycnocytes look just like a spherocyte. So you can go down the wrong algorithmic tree thinking that you're treating an IMHA when it's actually a case of copper toxicosis or red maple leaf toxicosis or just onions, or maybe you've got a cat and the owner's feeding it baby food that has garlic in it. So it can completely change your, your diagnostic workup, but also the outcome of the patient. If you don't realize you're not treating an IMHA, you're actually treating oxidative injury. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because I feel like I've had that experience. So I don't know that if you were asleep that day in ClinPath, so was I. <laughs> but I, I feel like I've seen these cells where I'm like, man, it sure looks like a spherocyte, but this doesn't, you know, walk and talk like an IMHA. But then you don't want to not treat it like an IMHA. So you're just kind of between a rock and a hard place of like, what do I do here? And I would imagine if it's like an oxidative damage and you treat like an IMHA, that probably bad things would bad, happen. Probably yeah. bad things. Um, I love that you said that because you bring up my favorite ClinPath secret, which is that you never ever. So were you evaluating these cells in the model air? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> As you were taught to, right? Yeah. So the secret is you, you never want to call a spherocyte in the monolayer because they, you'll, you, every single slide that you look at will have a fake spherocyte there. What you have to do is you have to track back into the body where it's really thick and the red cells are all squished up against each other. And then if it's truly a spherocyte, it will still not have central pallor. But most of the time, all those fake spherocytes, they're just fakers. And you go into the monolayer and they have central pallor. You faker. <laughs> so little secret. I Very feel like important. you probably <laughs> just helped a whole lot of animals there because I know I'm going to take that tip away and hopefully a lot of other people will. And it'll keep us on the right algorithmic tree. Well, you're not alone. It happens to everybody. <laughs> that does so. make me feel we were all asleep that day in ClinPath. <laughs> What about species? Are we limited to dogs and cats or can we do other species? Great question. So for the AI indications we have right now, those are just dog and cat. Not forever, but for right now. But for anything cytology, and this would include, say, a blood smear. If you can't submit it as an AI blood smear, you can send it to us as a cytology. We'll, we'll read that blood smear. <clears throat> so for, for any cytology application, then, 
it's any species. So we do see a lot of dogs and cats, but we also see farm animals. We see cattle, horses, chickens, camelids, and then we see pocket pets like mice, rats, ferrets, rabbits, hedgehogs. And then we see some really fun stuff like goldfish. I mean, those are household pets, but like I was amazed when we got a goldfish. I'm just really impressed with the veterinarian who figured out how to draw blood from the, I've, I've never done that. So I was impressed. Yeah, no, I haven't either. We, I've, I've talked with Dana Varble. We've, we've talked a little bit about like anesthetizing fish and all these different things you can do. And it always like, it always blows my mind how many options there are with fish, even goldfish. It's amazing. And so, yeah. you know, we, we see those kinds of things, but we also see some really cool exotics like African lungfish. We see saltwater crocodiles, and then more typical things, bearded dragons, red-eared sliders, cockatiels, parrots. So anything but one one exception, please no humans. Uh, don't worry. No <laughs> You gross. <laughs> I've been in practice. I know what happens. <laughs> I, I suppose. I suppose that's fair. But I have been asked like uh, even I remember I had a family mem- member who asked they were on injections for something. I think they were like intramuscular and they're like, well, you can help me. You give intramuscular injections. And I said, not on humans. <laughs> no, no. Like, no, 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 exactly. <laughs> you can have an image in my lane. Send yeah. us human samples. <laughs> yeah, perfect. No, you are yeah. safe there. I don't do humans. <laughs> but yeah, so, so really our pathologists are um, when we go through our board process, it's on every species except for humans for real. Very cool. Very cool. Well, it sounds like the Imagist has come a really long way in a really short time. And you've kind of alluded to this through our talk that there may be more in the pipeline. What do you foresee for the future of the Imagist? Exciting things. So I can't talk about them all. <laughs> um, I will say equine fecal is is coming. So AI fecal for, for equine. So we're adding a species there. But yeah, so I would just say if there's anything you're thinking about in your head and saying, boy, wouldn't it be great if they could do blank? We're probably thinking about it and we might even have it in the pipeline. So stay tuned. Exciting things to come. Very cool. Well, I mean, if you guys have moved at like light speed, getting all of this, like I said, when we first, when I first got the topic, I was like, isn't this just a fecal scanner? And then to find out it did all these other things in such a short time, clearly you guys have a lot a lot of ideas and a lot of ability to develop these. So I can't wait to see what it holds in the future. Oh, oh, well, I I look forward to talking to you again when all of these things launch. But no, I'm, I'm excited to hear that. And um, we have a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Barrett, this has been a fantastic talk. I feel like I've learned so much and I'm so excited to learn more about the Imagist and see what's in the pipeline and all of these other things. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to talk to you. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode and learned a little bit more about clinical pathology and how digital cytology can fit into a busy practice schedule. I want to say a big thank you to Dr. Barrett for joining me and thank you to Zoetis for sponsoring this episode. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.